book of James, chapter number 3, and verse number 1. And here's where we're going to draw our topic from tonight. And it will probably be a little bit slower. Amen. Uh, More of a teaching session this this evening. Uh, If you haven't, say amen. And uh, if you didn't bring your Bible and you were expecting Sister Gina, you you got caught. (laughs) My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. That bridle is talking about a horse's bridle. That is a restraint. Amen. For that horse. Uh, Behold we. And here we go. Behold we put bits in the horse's mouths. That they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Uh, behold also the ships, and here's a comparison, a parallel that this, the writer is going to give us. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. <laughs> Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therefore, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. James says, My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive trees? Either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Amen. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about our most unruly member. Our most unruly member. That is my title tonight. Amen. Would you help me pray and ask the Lord, amen, to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for the word. God, that is able to produce change in our lives We thank you for the word, God, that is a light to our path, God. We're praying tonight, God, that you would shine your light upon our path tonight. Let the word of the Lord 
Reveal things to us, God, that heretofore we were unaware of, God, or we need to be reminded of tonight. I pray that the word of the Lord would fall upon fertile ground, good soil, God, tender hearts, open minds, that we might be able to receive your word into our lives. And God, may we be changed by this word tonight. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. A dentist's office, as I began pondering this topic tonight, I began thinking about probably the, uh, the, one of the cases that we can all identify with is that trip to the dentist's office when they keep having to tell you to stop moving your tongue. How many has ever had that experience? Would you stop moving your tongue? You try so hard, and then they tell you again, you're like, I thought I would stop moving it, and it just kept going. <laughs> and so the dentist, I began researching, and there was one article that a dentist wrote, uh, and this is uh, a little bit informational, uh, but so bear with me for a moment. He said, have you, ever been, have you ever bitten your tongue and then thought to myself, how did that happen? Am I resting my tongue in the wrong place? The truth is about 50% of Americans have something called, this is going to uh, maybe blow your mind or expand your horizon, if you will. 50% of Americans have something called improper tongue posture or positioning. That's right. There is, in fact, a correct place, he says, to rest your tongue. But where exactly should the tongue rest? Should it rest at the bottom of your mouth or at the top? Maybe it's between the teeth. Uh, Tongue positioning and tongue posture are interchangeable terms used to describe the positioning of our tongues while at rest. Even though this may sound silly, this dentist writes, there is such a thing as good tongue positioning and bad tongue positioning. And the truth is bad tongue positioning, he states, can affect oral health as well as other parts of the body. And here's where I kind of begin to think, wow, this is very, very interesting uh, because I thought my tongue only affected the inner recesses of my mouth. Uh, but he says, no, your uh, bad tongue positioning cannot only affect oral health, but also other parts of the body. He states, do you remember the song that goes, the leg bone is connected to the knee bone? Well, our tongues are kind of like that. You see, tongues are super Strong muscles that impact several areas of our bodies, including our mouths, our eyes, our noses, our heads, our necks, and our shoulders. Knowing this, it probably comes as no surprise that if we don't have proper tongue positioning, it can cause trouble in these other areas of our bodies. He writes, improper tongue posture can contribute or lead to sleep apnea, TMJ, Problems with vision, bad body posture, and tooth damage. The dentist goes on to say that proper tongue positioning occurs when someone gently rests their tongue on the roof of the mouth and away from the teeth. During rest, the lips should also be closed and the teeth slightly parted. Practicing proper tongue positioning can help protect teeth from shifting and can improve sleep decrease neck and jaw pain 
and reduce the number or intensity of headaches. I began researching and, and I thought, you know what, this is very interesting that a dentist is making the connection that the tongue and how it's placed and how it's used has the ability to impact and affect different parts of your body and different parts of your life. It can affect your sleep and TMJ, uh, problems with vision, tooth damage, and all of these different things. And, and I begin to uh, think there, there's a lot of things that are connected to how we use our tongue. And it's not even just how that the Bible gives us a description in James chapter 3, 1 through 12, but there is also a common knowledge amongst uh, these uh, medical professionals. Uh, I'm going to talk to you tonight about our most unruly member. It's not a member of the church. It's not a particular individual in the church. But it, every one of us has this unruly member. None of us are excluded from this teaching tonight. Not even myself. Uh, because every one of us has within our mouth a tongue. Amen. Some tongues are dirty. Some tongues are whatever. Lots of different things. Uh, but everybody here has a tongue. And there is significance of the tongue. Uh, we read in James chapter 3, 1 through 12 that the tongue is the unruly member. You cannot control it. Uh, you and I have all experienced being in that dentist chair with that uh, uh, frustrating experience as they've said, uh, Noah, would you stop moving your tongue? You say, I, I was trying. I thought I did. And, no, you keep moving it all over the place. And, and, and they, they, grab you, they grab your tongue with that uh, tissue to, so it won't slip and they hold it in place. Uh, and they're, they're doing their best. To, they got one person holding your tongue and the other person trying to clean your mouth. And, and it's quite an ordeal. Uh, but it is an unruly member. The Bible teaches us this truth. And also there is studies that teach us this truth as well. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue. Listen to me carefully tonight. I'm going to say that again. If any man among you seem to be religious, or if anybody here claims, amen, to be a child of God, claims to be a Christian, claims to uh, be a friend of God, claims to follow after Christ, has this claim uh, upon their lives that I am a Christian, I'm seeking to please the Lord, and, and this is my desire. But the Bible says, if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridles not his tongue, or does not get control of his tongue, does not uh, put that bridle, uh, that, that stop measure, stop gap measure upon his tongue. This individual is deceiving his own heart, and his, this man's religion is vain. Uh, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, he deceives his own heart, and his religion is vain. Uh, there has to be in every one of our lives the uh, allowing the Holy Ghost and allowing the Spirit of God and the Word of God to work in our lives to the effect that we learn to control our tongue. Yeah. And we learn to have a, a bridle, if you will, as the Bible says, upon our tongue and upon our mouth. Because the, the true test, uh, the, the test of true religion, according to James chapter 1 and verse 26 is can you control your tongue? This is a test that is uh, alluded to in James 1 and 26. 
If you can't control your tongue, your religion is vain. You have not allowed the God of heaven to work in your life and to work through your life if you cannot have restraint upon your tongue. Jesus would go on to tell us in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 34, he begins to tell us and he says this, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The mouth, the words that come from your mouth, the tongue and the way that it is used uh, to speak words, it reveals the condition of your heart. It will reveal exactly what you've been meditating upon. Amen. What you've been listening to and who you've been hanging out with. Because it's going to what's on the inside will always manifest itself on the outside. And if you can't control your tongue, if I can't control my tongue, amen, then, then what I'm doing is in vain because I have not allowed God to work in my life, to work through my life. Psalms chapter 19 and verse number 14 is the prayer of the psalmist. And the prayer of the psalmist in Psalms 19 and 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. It should be our desire that the words that we speak, amen, if we were fixing to speak certain words, amen, would we stop, amen, if we saw our peripheral vision that Jesus Christ had walked into the room or that Jesus Christ had got into the church van and sat there as you drove the van or as you uh, were in the passenger seat or if you're in your car on the way to church or, or if you're in your car on the way to work or wherever you find yourself. Would Jesus be pleased with our language? Let the words of my mouth, but not even just the words of my mouth, but if you're going to attack the issue at the the point of inception, amen, and the meditation of my heart. Not just the words of my mouth, but the meditation of my heart, God. God, work on the inside of me, God, so that my thoughts are pure, so that my motives are pure, so that there is a love of God that is happening on the inside of my soul. I don't want to be a poison well that, that spews me evil, that spews ungodliness and spews unrighteousness in the world around me. But I want to be a pure vessel, a, a well that's got the Spirit of God working on the inside. The meditation of my heart is where it really begins. And if you can't get your heart right, if you can't get your heart right, You're never going to get your mouth right. If your mouth's not right, your heart's not right. This is what we see from Scripture. We must control our speech. I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 59. I'm going to turn there with you tonight. The book of Isaiah. got these thumb tabs and I think they slow me down. 
Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleaded for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Verse 5. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. Stay with us for a moment. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Israel found themselves in a place of desiring the blessings of the Lord. And not understanding why they had been removed from them. This is the people of God. Amen. They, they, just, they were in a place of desiring God's blessings. But they didn't have and they could not experience the blessings of God upon their lives. The prophet Isaiah comes and he declares that it is not because God's arm. Here we go. Verse number one of Isaiah chapter 59. It is not because God's arm has been shortened. And it is not because his ear is no longer able to hear. But if you read Isaiah chapter 59. In verse number two, it is the iniquities in their life, the sin in their life that has caused them to lose the blessings of the Lord. And the remainder of this passage shows us that they were guilty. Uh, this is King James English. They are guilty of hatching cockatrice eggs. This hatching of cockatrice eggs refers to the sin, to a sin of the tongue, namely a backbiting and a gossiping. God's dealing with Israel is a strong warning to us as to how God views sins of the tongue. Uh, verse number five is talking about that serpent that will begin to snap back. Uh, that, that serpent that is looking to, uh, to strike its prey and to cause harm. Uh, and it's, it's uh, referring to a sin of the tongue that is backbiting and gossiping. And God, uh, he, he put such a, a great significance upon his people living righteously and living pleasing before him. And, and God begins to address, amen, the words of their mouth and the things that they were doing. And God was not pleased with it. Right. And God said, because you can't get your, your mouth and your tongue under control, I'm going to pull back, pull back my blessings. 
I'm going to withhold the blessings of the Lord from your life. Even though you want it and, and, and you think everything's going right, I want to remind you, His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. And His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. But it's our sins and the things that we've allowed to get into our mouth and get into our lives, amen, that will cause God to withhold blessings from our lives. God is serious about our words how we use our tongue talking about our tongue not only can it hinder our blessings but there is something that is called tailbearing it is defined as gossip in a negative meaning of the word psalms chapter 101 and verse number 5 says whoso privily or Privately slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off. Right. Psalm 101 and verse 5. Whosoever slanders his neighbor privately, I will cut him off. God, amen, it looks and listens uh, to our actions, our behavior, and our conversation. And God is listening. Now, what was that you said about so and so? I want to make sure I got this correct. Are, are you slandering? Are you cutting someone down? Right. Or are you building up that individual? Are you building up and are you gathering? Uh, <coughs> Brother Josh, Sister Monica, remember there's something I remember Pastor Shoemake saying many times in preaching uh, regarding the church. You're either gathering together the people or you're scattering the people. You're either gathering and you're saying, come on, let's get a little bit close. Let's get a little bit tight. Let's go in the right direction. Or you're scattering. You're saying, get away from me. And you're, 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 you're rebuking. And you're, you're doing all these things that cause division. You're either gathering or you're scattering. And gossip is a scattering. And whoso slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off, the Bible says. We have to be careful how we use our tongue. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 13. A talebearer. If you're grown up in the hood, you would call this a snitch or a narc. Or a, if you're in the playground, you may call it tattletale. Whatever word you use to describe it. But the Bible talks about a talebearer. Revealeth secrets. There's things that God will allow you to see or to hear. And it's not so you can go and tell so-and-so. It's not so you can run and tell this person, that person, and let everybody know what you saw. That's a tale bearer. And it reveals... According to scripture, an unfaithful spirit, an unfaithful spirit. And if I could connect a couple of scriptures here for a moment. When you stand before the Lord and you've done right and you're living right and he's ready to enter, bring you in. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful servant. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But a talebearer revealed secrets. 
On the contrary, he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. This does not mean that you see evil happening and you sit back and say, well, that's okay. Go ahead and beat your wife. Go ahead and beat your kids. Go ahead and do whatever harm to yourself. But it's saying there's there's some things that God will allow you to see in your life for you to pray. For you to get on your face before the Lord and say, God, I, I saw brother so-and-so doing something. God, give me a burden for him. Help me to pray for him. Because if we're honest, all of us have been there at one point or another. Where we have fallen, where we've stumbled. And if somebody had ran and told on us, we would not be here today. But I guarantee you there is a mom or a dad or a preacher or a brother in church that said, you know what? Yeah. You can get back up again. That's right. You ain't got to stay there. You, you, yes. can, you can get a hold of God. God will lift you up. And, and that is a faithful man and a faithful woman. That will see you in your weakness and will say, you know what? I'm praying for you. You can make it. Devil's a liar. You, you can go forward. I'm going to be in your corner praying for you. I know you're struggling, but I'm praying for you. I'm not telling everybody what I saw, what I heard. I'm praying for you. That's a faithful spirit. That, that's a faithful spirit. That's the kind of spirit that will get you into heaven. But it's the backbiting, which is speaking evil. Uh, it means mean, speaking evil and mean things about somebody. Slander is false or, uh, or unverified rumors that defame someone. If we, uh, I, I remember hearing it over and over again as I was a kid. Uh, the person that has to put somebody else down or destroy somebody else's image to make themselves look good is an insecure person. If you if you think that you know what by by destroying that person by telling uh, uh, all the details that I know about this person that I'm going to destroy them no you know what you're destroying your reputation right. even truth can be tail bearing if told to someone who does not need to know and is told only to hurt someone's reputation. There was a time, amen, when my uh, my father saw an inconsistency in leadership. He did not go out and tell the whole church what he saw. But he went to that person leadership, closed the door, and talked to them. Cried, prayed together, encouraged them. You can make it. Come on. That's a faithful man. That's a faithful spirit. When you see something or you hear something, and man, you know what? It just all it tells me is that person's not perfect. Just like me. Just like me. And when I'm at my weakest, I need someone to pray for me. Right. Not to say, look at you, you hypocrite. Look at you. You're, 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 you're a failure. You're a flop. But someone say, I'm praying for you. Amen. You're going to make it. I'm going to lift up. 
Amen. Especially when it comes to the ministry. We ought to lift up the ministry. And we ought to lift up one another. Amen. But we ought to make sure that we're not discrediting, ever discrediting the pulpit. Amen. There's things in life and we're all adults. We all know that things have happened in the course of uh, human history. And, and people are not perfect. But we do our very best to make sure that the ministry is, is viewed in its proper place. And there is not harm done to the gospel. If you are not part of the problem and you are not part of the solution, then you probably don't need to be involved. If you're not a part of the problem and you're not part of the solution, then there's not a need to be involved. The Bible discusses, and I want us to turn one more time to Proverbs chapter number six. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. And a false witness that speaketh lies. And the last line of verse 19. And he that soweth discord among brethren. These are things, according to verse 16, that God hates. He hates these things. And if ever there's someone that you hear in the church that is sowing seeds of discord. You ought to walk away from that person and you ought to pray for them. If you hear someone running down the pulpit or the pew, you ought to walk away from them and pray for them and pray for the person that they're talking about and pray for yourself. Because the devil will like to work in situations and make things worse than they are. He'll like to work in your mind and make you think, you know what? The church is a bunch of hypocrites. You know what? Look at this. Look at all these problems. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to be that strong link in this chain. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to not expose myself to these things. But I'm going to lift him up. The Lord hates one who sows discord. And with our tongue... We either unify or we divide the body of Christ. With your tongue, you can walk around. We can, we can go around the service and everybody can say something nice about Sister Monica. She'll feel so good. But we leave the service and everybody says something mean about her. She's, I'm never coming back. And I wouldn't blame her. The tongue can divide or it can unite. You can come to a church and, and feel, man, that was, I appreciate that preaching, that altar call. Someone gave me a word of encouragement. Man, that blessed me. Yeah. Or you can leave a church service and be like, man, 
that person said some nasty things to me. I don't, that, that was out of line. That was not in the Holy Ghost. That person's, that person's probably carnal. And you can think, man, this, I don't like this. The tongue will either unite or it will divide. It is used to, to scatter or to, to, to scatter or to gather. The tongue. And we all ought to be careful how we use our tongue. Amen. We don't talk a lot about it. Uh, and I, 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 I hear some people talking so much about uh, your, you can bless people with your tongue that sometimes it sounds so shallow and, and so cheap. But there, there is a side to that. Of you can bless somebody with the words that you speak. With the words that you speak, you can bless somebody. You, you can make somebody feel like a million dollars. Or you can make them feel like crumbs. We all ought to be careful how we use our words to build up others, to build up the ministry, to build up the kingdom of God, to build up the church. And let me take a, a side detour for a few moments. Uh, not even uh, just talking about uh, our tongue in the right thing or the wrong thing. Uh, not just saying the right thing or the wrong thing with our tongue, but knowing when, amen, to speak to somebody and to use the language, uh, the gift of language that we have been given to be able to be a witness and to be a testimony to somebody in our world. Sometimes it's as simple as hello. I'm taking it really slow tonight. Bear with me. This is something that just happened on Sunday. I'm going to share it. My brother and I, we went to uh, Chinese food on Sunday evening. It was a little bit late. Uh, we went there to order some takeout uh, and walked in the restaurant. There was a lady sitting at the table. And it really was a simple, hello, how are you doing? Oh, good. How's that suit? Oh, it's fantastic. Awesome. And we left and we're saying, take care. And she stopped us and she said, you know what? You guys are very friendly people. You guys are gentlemen. I haven't seen that around here. And she said uh, some other words about others that she had seen around there that weren't friendly. And I began to take advantage of the opportunity to say, you know what? We just got of a really good church service. It's, it's because of Jesus. She looked at us and, wow. Yeah, it makes a big difference. You have to come visit us one of these days. And we told her where it was. And, and we came back in there and, and we gave her a church card and invited her to church. And she said, I'm going to try and be there on Sunday. Sometimes it's a simple hello. And just being friendly. It's not like, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Whoa, what's going on here? Sometimes it's just a hello. Let the Spirit of God work to you. Being that light. Being a friendly face. Being a friendly face. When you go out in public, amen. Don't let it be just the people of the world that get ready when they go out in public. I remember uh, I had a neighbor when we were kids. And, and she was just uh, a tomboy. Uh, hung out with all of us boys. But when she got ready to go out... Uh, 
She put on all her makeup. She put on her nice tight clothes and, and all these looking fancy and like, whoa, you're just going to go to the Delta market. But she wanted to look good. And you know what? It'd be easy to, to knock that type of person. But you know what? If you want to be a witness and you're going out in public, put yourself together. If you're a lady, pull your hair back. Do something nice. If you're, if you're a gentleman, look presentable. Represent Christ to your world. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 34 talks about swearing. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 34. Why don't we just turn there quickly. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, Neither by Jerusalem, for it is a city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In other words, let your yeses be yeses, and let your noes be noes. Mean what you say. Don't swear. Amen. And uh, this scripture tells us, amen, that Christians should always speak the truth. We should not be using foul language nor generic foul language in moments of uh, weakness or in heated moments. Uh, If someone cuts you off on the road, uh, if somebody and I've had it before where I'm driving on the road and I promise you. I was being a good driver and somebody flipped me the bird. Really? I, what did I do? Like, please educate me. I want to be better next time. And there, there it was. I didn't yell at them and say, you blah, blah, blankly, blank, blank. How dare you? And start swerving and trying to run them off the road. I'm going to keep my Holy Ghost. I refuse to let that person send me to hell because I lose my Holy Ghost. And if the rapture happens in that moment, I let that person send me down, down, down below where I don't need to be. Amen. I've got to keep control of my tongue. We've got to bridle our tongue. There's got to be a bridle, if you will, that we put upon our mouth and we say, God, I'm not going to say what I I feel, what I'm thinking right now, because the Holy Ghost is greater and is stronger than the passion and the emotion in my soul. I've allowed God to work in my life, and I will overcome, amen, the flesh that wants to rule and reign in my life. I've got to be a witness. I've got to be a witness. I wonder how we would drive if we all had a big fat church magnet on the side of our car. That said Abundant Life Center of Lathrop. Come find us on 7th Street. I wonder how that would change our driving. I wonder how we would behave if we had a big Bold, bright sweater that said Abundant Life Center is where I go to church. 
How would we behave? How would we respond? The Bible talks about in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 7 that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We are to avoid all vain, useless, irreverent, profane, trivial uses of a name or title of God. His name is to be reserved for use in prayer, in praise, or serious discussion. And we certainly ought not to use slain substitutes. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 through 32 and Colossians 3 and 8 talks about putting away filthy communication or obscene, dirty, vulgar, or suggestive language. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about a a word that is called jesting uh, or suggestive jokes uh, and and we ought to put those things away. Amen. The Bible says we ought to abstain from all appearance of evil. So just because you didn't say uh, the four-letter word but use a different word that sounds like it, amen, it is the appearance of evil. Right. Abstain from all appearance of evil. According to the word of the Lord. Amen. Don't let your testimony be washed down the drain because you could not control your tongue. Don't let your testimony be destroyed in all the things you work. Amen. To be able to reach somebody, to be a minister of the gospel. Because in one, amen, one moment when somebody cuts you off the road and you see a four-letter word or you see something and you start driving crazy, don't let it destroy your testimony. Get control of your spirit. Get the full of the Holy Ghost and say, God, you've got to work on the inside of my life. Don't let me be unbridled, God, but let there be control. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. Why does the psalmist use those specific words? I've pondered this many times. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. But listen to this. He says, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That strength part is put in scripture. Amen. To let you know that God can give you the strength. And God can give you the ability. Amen. To not fall over and over again into these sins. And these given into these iniquities. But that redeemer part is put in scripture also. To let you know. That when you fall. If you fall. There's hope for your redemption. You don't have to stay, amen, locked in that that vicious cycle of failure upon failure, failure after failure. But God can redeem you. He can help you. He can give somebody the strength, amen, to not fall over and over. And to the one that falls, God says, I'll also be your redeemer to pick you up and to help you to walk right, amen, to bring you back into fellowship. Amen. It's just one, amen, one word away, just calling upon the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's my strength. He's the strength that enabled Peter to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. But it was also the redemption that when Peter began to fall 
moment of Peter's life and God picked him up and said, come on, Peter. Come on. I'm not going to remind you about this scenario, Peter. Hold this over your head and use it as a bargain. Said, well, I know the dirt. I remember that time you fell, Peter. No, God just says, come on. Let's keep going. Come on. Let's keep going. I'll be your redeemer. I'll be your strength. I'll be your helper. Amen. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 14 says that we are to bless them which persecute us. Bless and curse not. Amen. Amen. We ought to be a blessing and we ought to speak blessing and we ought not to speak cursing. and We ought not to uh, give people, amen, flip them the bird and do all of these things and use foul language. Our speech, it betrays us so many times. But when you begin to get control of your heart and you begin to get along with God in the secret place of prayer, amen, it's not a problem anymore. I can restrain, I can control my tongue because I've got the meditation of my heart right. I've got his spirit on the inside and now God is showing the world around me that his presence his spirit is in my life. And when everybody around me is cussing and when everybody around me, amen, is getting all angry and revealing the, the, the passion of their sinful nature, I can control my tongue and I can be a light to my world and I can reveal Christ to my world. I can be a Christian when everybody around me is not a Christian. James chapter 3 and verse 10. Out of the mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Shouldn't be coming to church, worshiping the Lord, getting out of church, and cussing. On the way home, letting your tongue just speak whatever comes to your mind. Second Peter chapter two verse ten, and we're coming to a close. Second Peter chapter two and verse ten. If you turn with me. Second Peter chapter two and verse ten. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. And despise government. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil. Of dignities. These are self-willed people. That are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And then verse number 11 says. Whereas angels. Which are greater in power and might. Bring not. Railing accusation against them before the Lord. Even the angels are very careful what they speak in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that the angels, which are greater than dignities, they don't bring railing accusations against him before the Lord. The angels go into the presence of the Lord. They don't say, well, you know, Obama, 
I saw him doing this. Well, you know, Trump, I saw him doing that. Not even the angels bring a real accusation against dignities before the Lord. They refuse to speak evil. They know that upon the throne sits an omniscient God that has all knowledge. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to serve the Lord. God, you're going to take care of that person or that person. You're faithful. You are faithful, God. He is faithful. The things that you and I may or may not see from time to time. And you pray for somebody. You go to them and you encourage them. God, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God will take care of the things, the inconsistency that you see before you. There's things you say, well, you know what? I ought to take care of this, God. You ought to just keep doing what God told you to do. And let God take care of some things. And just say, God, you're faithful. God, I, th- what I'm seeing here, it's, it's something's not right, God. I'm going to pray. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to protect myself. But I am not the avenger. You're not the avenger. You're not the one that brings a correction and says, well, I'm going to help out the pastor. I'm going to help out God and I'm going to smack that guy because, you know, I don't like the way he's doing things. No, you you just be a sweet Christian. You speak positive blessings. Amen. You you pray before the Lord and you, you just begin to allow the Lord, amen, to work in situations. And sometimes it doesn't come exactly when we think it ought to happen. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. God will have the last say. If there's something that happens uh, in ministry, you ain't got to correct the ministry. You ain't got to run down the ministry. Because God will take care of the ministry. You can mark my words. When Moses disobeyed the Lord, and God said, Moses, speak to the rock, my people are thirsty. Oh, God, they beat the rock. And the water still came out. The people said, oh, man, look at great Moses. He, he's, a, he's our leader. Rah, rah. God said, I don't like that. Moses, that's going to cost you. Really? Yeah. You can't go in the promised land. But God, like, I, I did everything right. God, I'm here. I'm serving. I'm doing all these things. And I messed up at one point. I'm going to. I'm going to see to it that I, I, I bring judgment upon your life for that. The people didn't have to correct Moses. God took care of Moses. And we ought to know the difference when it's our time or it's God's time. God will take care of the things. You're not able to take care of some things. But God is able to take care of things in the proper order and in the proper way. Amen. 2 Peter 2 and 10 through 11, we just read it. Blasphemy is rebelling against God. Another thing is lying, which is a false witness. Deceit. These are things that we can do with our tongue. Living by false actions. And the last thing I call out to your attention tonight is in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. 
in case we miss any part of this tonight, you say, ha, you didn't get me there, Pastor. <laughs> Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Every idle word that men shall speak, the whole, everything's covered. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And some things we, we mutter under our breath. And think, What'd you say? You know, you hear your kids say that from time to time. What'd you say? And God's listening to every, every idle word. He says, hold on. I heard what you mumble under your breath. Every idle word we're going to give account in the day of judgment. Every idle word. And with that, I'd like for us to stand to our feet. Amen. Psalms 141, verse 3. We've read a host of scriptures tonight, and I thank you for being patient and being attentive to the word tonight. Psalm 141, and verse 3. The psalmist prays to the Lord. He says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Set a watch over my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Help me, God, to learn when to keep my mouth closed. Help me, God, to learn when I ought to speak and when I ought to be silent. When I ought to be a blessing. And God, allow you to take care of the correcting. The psalmist understood that he could not control his tongue. Without the help of God. Else he would have prayed this prayer. Oh God. Help me. With my lips. With my tongue. And if the psalmist understood that he could not control his tongue. Without the help of God. Then we've got to realize the same thing. And pray as the psalmist prayed. Set a watch. Oh God. Over my mouth. And keep the door of my lips. Help me God. To be a blessing. With the words that I speak. And God help me to refuse. And to bridle my tongue. To bridle my mouth. When I want to speak things that are harmful. When I want to speak things that will cut down. And and will damage. Help me God. Amen. As we close here in prayer tonight. Amen. I said it from the opening of this tonight. We all have a tongue, myself included. This is for all of us. For all of us. Amen. Jesus, we come before you tonight, God. Jesus, we're not perfect tonight, God. We've made mistakes, God. We're striving, God, for perfection, Lord. We're striving to be what you want us to be, Lord. God, we ask you tonight, just like the psalmist prayed throughout the book of Psalms, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Set a watch over my mouth, O Lord, and keep the door of my lips. 
would help each and every one of us, God, to wrestle down our flesh in prayer. God, that when we are faced with temptations, God, and we're struggling, God, with our passions, help us, God, to keep the door of our lips, Lord. Sit a watch over our mouth. Help us, God, to live pleasing before you. Let our words, God, let our meditation, let it be acceptable in thy sight, O God. Help us, God, to be alone with you in prayer. Help us to get together with our families in prayer. But, God, most of all, help us to just pray and to allow your spirit to work in our lives. God, if you don't help me tonight, if you don't help us tonight, God, we can't make it. God, if you don't help me, God, I'm just going to keep on speaking out of turn and speaking things, God, that are harmful to the body of Christ, that are divisive, God, to the kingdom of God. But God, if you'll help me, I believe there can be a gathering together. I believe there can be a strengthening, God, of the body of Christ. There can be a strengthening in our families. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I leave you with this challenge tonight. Get in God's presence. Let Him work in your heart. And work in your life. Let it be manifested through your words. Amen. Let it be manifested through your words. Before you leave this place tonight. Amen. Tell someone something good. Not something cheap. Tell them something good. Build somebody up. Give a compliment. It doesn't take anything away from you. It adds to your life. Give a compliment to somebody before you leave this place tonight. On, on your way home tonight. As you, as you find yourself with your family, say something good to your spouse. Say something good to your kids. Say something good to your parents. Speak blessing, amen, into your world. God bless you. I love every one of you. Amen. Shake someone's hand. Greet them in the name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.